I am going to pray, and then we will begin. Lord, I want to thank you for Christmas. And thank you for the celebrations. And thank you for the the joy that it can bring. I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to thank you that you decided to step foot into our world and love on us and teach us. And so as we enter in, pray that we would go with you. Lord, as this morning as we get into your word, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. So if you notice, um, it's new hairdo Sunday here at Oasis. I've cut off my locks. It was so freeing. I mean, bedhead is a real thing. Like, I feel bad for you all. And, and I only had like quarter inch. I'd wake up and some of it would be facing this way. I'd be like, well, what do you do with that? It's not like you can home it. It just, it's stuck. And I will admit that I went Old Testament when I shaved. Not with a rock or anything like that. It just, Friday was the 30th. We're supposed to no shave November. But in the Jewish tradition and in the Old Testament, Saturday begins on Friday evening. So that sun went down, and I went right into the bathroom. And I actually put it, and I had it in my hand. You can fit it all in my hand, my hair. And I thought, I wonder if I can auction this off. But I opted for the toilet, and so it's somewhere in the Atlantic. (laughs) Choking some poor little fish or marine life, I don't know. (laughs) God's word, yeah, right, right, okay. There's this Alfred Hitchcock movie that was made in in the 60s, I think, mid-late 60s, but then it was remade in 1985. And uh, I like the color version better because I'm a child of color TV. Um, And it's about this woman who goes to jail. I think the episode's called The Final Escape. It's about this woman who goes to jail, and she's trying to figure out a way to get out of jail. And she's trying to break out, and nothing, I mean, and she's working this thing. So she befriends this caretaker guy. I think his name was Doc. I don't remember. And so Doc, or Mr. Caretaker Guy, he, he was in jail, but he was in charge of the mortuary. He was in charge of when inmates died, they, he would uh, put them in the casket, and he would get the um, detail to go out and, and bury. Um, so this woman befriends him, and, and she devises this plan, right? He's thinking, okay, when the death bell rings, which tells all the prison that somebody has died, she's going to climb into the casket. And her friend is going to come and and nail it shut and then get the detail to take the the casket out to the cemetery, um, bury the casket, and then in a few hours later, he would come back and dig her up, and then she would be set free. Perfect plan. I mean, what can possibly go wrong with that plan? 
And so, and so this is the half-hour version, the, the version that was made later. Um, the, the, the bell rings. The plan goes into action. She leaves her cell. She walks down to the mortuary. Of course, it's dark. She opens up the lid. She climbs in. She hears some rustling. Tap, tap, tap. It's nailed shut. The next scene is they are, the hole is dug, and the crew is lowering the casket into the ground, and they start to, to fill it up. And then the next scene is her inside, and she's giddy. She's like, she's like this is... Like, she's happy. She's, you know, freedom. I'm going to be free. This is awesome. And she's waiting. And she's waiting. And, and so, so, like, a little while goes by, and she's starting to get a little freaked out, like I think anyone would. Uh, I just had an MRI on Friday. That freaked me out. Like, the, right here. No, I just don't, did not do well. And I'm feeling, like, her tension. Like, I'm, you know, you watch it, and you're just like, Okay, and she's starting to sweat a little. She's starting to get freaked out. Where is he? Where is he? And, and, and the sweat's pouring off her, and she's, she's in the box. She's in this casket. And finally, she comes to the point. She goes, well, well, who's in here with me? And she reaches for the matches, and she lights the match, and she goes up to the guy's or the person's face, and it's her friend. Needless to say, plan backfired. She is not going to escape well she is but it will be the final escape and the last scene is you hear screaming as the camera pans off the grave out of the cemetery this woman has just given up all hope of being rescued this woman is buried alive i wonder if you've ever felt that way in your life not, not like physically buried alive. If anybody did that to you, let me know and we'll call the police and have them arrested. I mean, but like figuratively, that life has come at you and you have been in that place of, of darkness and you've been in that place of hopelessness and you just have this sense that, man, you're, you're not going to make it out of this alive. You're not going to make it out of this in one piece. I mean, I, I believe at some point in time, we've all, we've all been there. We've all wrestled with, with that idea. Maybe, maybe for you, you've been buried with questions about God and for God. You know, if God is so good, then why do I feel so terrible? Why is my life just, just so, so difficult? I mean, that's an honest question that people face every day. Or, you know, if, if Jesus is the light of the world, why is there so much darkness all over the place? Or why do I feel like I'm walking in darkness? Maybe for some of you, you've been buried in disappointment. Disappointment with people. I will tell you this, put your trust in people and eventually you will get disappointed. But sometimes those disappointments can be deep painful and hurtful especially when they come with your family and your close friends say husband wife or your children those are the types of disappointments the people that are closest to us man that just that just sucks the life out of us it just takes the wind out of our sail maybe maybe you've been disappointed in yourself you know you that 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 thing that you should have done better at and didn't. You should, have, you should have handled that differently and you didn't. You lost your temper again. You let that thing get to you again. That thing that you said you would never do again, you did it again. 
And again, it seems like we get caught and we heap the disappointment on ourselves with this idea of again and again, I just can't seem to get out of this, this, this dysfunctional rhythm that I'm in. And we become disappointed for ourselves. And it feels like that we're buried in our own disappointment with, with, with us, with me, with you. Maybe for you, you feel buried with responsibility. And it feels like you can't even get a breath. Life is just so busy. Life is just so, so crazy. You got, I mean, you're working all these crazy hours at work just to stay close to being far behind. And you got the house and all the projects that aren't getting done. And the kids and the family and the friends. I know, let's just add a little Christmas season to that. And everything seems to be just pulling at you for your attention. And, it wa- and they don't just want a little bit. It seems like everything and everybody wants your complete attention. And all you can do is just kind of wave and smile. And you collapse at the end of the day, exhausted, only to get up in the morning and do it again and again. And you feel buried under that. Maybe for some of you, you feel buried in your past You know, that thing that happened to you that you just can't shake. That thing that happened to you that that just doesn't seem to go away. Which leads us back to the questions about God. Like, God, where are you in this? Why can't you free me in this? And and so it's just this, this, this hole that seems to get dug. And you just get farther and farther down. And the dirt comes over the top. And you're buried in those things. Maybe... Maybe you have yet to forgive that person who's hurt you. And your bitterness is like a cancer that's eating at you from the inside. Maybe you're buried with unforgiveness for yourself and about yourself. You're holding on to things that God has already forgiven you of, but you just can't seem to let go. And it's just this terrible darkness. Or maybe maybe those those words keep swirling around in your head. God's not going to let that one go. We go back to the again, really, again, again. How many times is God going to forgive you? You can't get free. It's just there and it's there and it's there. Maybe those voices from the past that say, why can't you have been like your brother? Why couldn't you have acted like your sister? Why couldn't you have done what they do? You're never going to amount to anything. Look at what you've done. Your room is a pigsty. I think that's my problem. And I just live in the past because pigsties are kind of cozy. And you get just caught in that loop. And you're buried under the lies of your past. And it feels like you're in that box six feet under. And it's dark and it's hot and it's claustrophobic. And the enemy has nailed that lid tight and shut. And there's no light coming in. And you just can't seem to escape. There's this hopelessness 
in you. And maybe, maybe you're not screaming, but there's just deep, heavy sighs. And there's this emptiness that's in your heart. And there's this lifelessness in your eyes. Have you ever felt buried? You see, this morning, I want to bring hope. And it's not my hope, but it's the hope of Jesus. Jeremiah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. And so God is telling his people, there is going to be a time that he is going to fulfill all of the promises that he has made to his people, that he is going to keep his word and bless the people exactly the way that he has promised he would bless them. And, And these good things don't have seemed to happen yet. These good promises have yet to come to fruition. And it's not because God can't or because God won't, but the people seem to just have this desire, this affinity to walking outside of the rhythms and the harmonies that God has established for us. It's not like he doesn't want to bless. We just kind of get away from him and he just, he, he, there's, there's no room for him to bless. But there will come a time when that will all change and he will restore all things. And then he speaks about this righteous branch in the line of David. that He will bring justice to the land. He will bring righteousness to the land. And Judah, what's it say? Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This will be a physical manifestation in our world of righteousness and justice, so much so that even the land is going to be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. God is going to do something amazing. He's going to fulfill the good promises that he has spoken to his people. But man, it just, that just isn't enough for me. I got to know in my own brain what is or what are those good promises. What does righteousness really look like? That the iPhone 5 would be given away for free? That would be pretty righteous. But no, I don't think that's what God's talking about. What does justice look like? That we can have unlimited data again on AT&T for one price? (laughs) No. What are the promises of God that he promises to fulfill? And so, I can never let this go. I will preach the iPhone 5 until I die. Until it's, until it's a 6. Until it's been put in my head and all I have to do is go, dunk, and I just talk to people. You mess me up. Where am I? 
Deuteronomy, I want to read to you the blessings that God has promised his people. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come out at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity, the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your, of your ground and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations but borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods or serving them. This is the blessing that God wants to pour out to his people. This is the shalom that God wants to his people to enjoy. The physical reality of blessing. This is his desire. This is his promise. City and countryside will be blessed. Families will be blessed with children. Your job, wor the, the work that you do will be blessed. Your labor will be blessed. Enemies will not overcome his people, but they'll be driven back. They'll be conquered. He will establish, I love this, he establishes his people. He is the one that does the work of making them holy. He is the one that calls them out. He will establish his people. And other people from the outside are going to go, huh, what's, what's going on there? There's something going on there. And he will make his people be the head and not the tail. I love that. Very politically correct in the Bible. I might have used different terminology. But you will always be on top, never on bottom. It's the blessing that God has for his people. But then, in that whole Deuteronomy verse, says, don't turn aside from my commands. Don't, don't serve other gods. Pretty much is what he's telling us. Keep the commands. Keep them all. Don't worship false gods. Don't worship uh, gods that are not me. Don't worship other things that are even not me. Follow my commands. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Stay straight. God requires, okay, you ready for this? God requires perfection in us following his commands. He requires perfect obedience and he requires perfect worship. There is no plan B. He's not up there going, okay, well, let's, let's try this. Oh, no, they're not, they're not getting it. Let's, let's lower the standard a little bit and see if they can get that. 
Oh, no, no. Well, let's lower it a little bit lower. If God had to lower the standard for us to get it right, there'd be no standard. God can't lower his standard. Or he would fail to be God. And so he demands perfect obedience to his commands. But you know, I believe he knows that we can never get there. I believe he knows it's a standard that we just, we got nothing. We, we, we can't keep it. We can't get there. We can't even get to be a little perfect. I don't know if there's a little perfect possible. I mean, we can't even get the JV rule, right? The, the Ten Commandments. We can't even get those right. But see, God will give us way god will give us a way to meet his standard he gives us the way he gives us the truth and he gives us life it's like the trifecta of salvation this is what he would give to us he gives us the righteous branch that will establish justice that will establish righteousness in the land he sends jesus and jesus is not plan b Jesus has always been the plan, wasn't an afterthought. Jesus is God, and so it's always been the plan. And so as we celebrate Christmas, Jesus is our celebration that the righteous branch would come and make a way for us to be right before God. Because he knew that we could never pull it off. He knew that we would never be able to fix it. And he was going to have to fix it. He was going to have to make it right. The solution rested on his, on his shoulders. And so Jesus Christ, for the glory of the Father, has begun the process. He has begun the process of reconciliation, of restoration. He's, it, it's, it's, it's a process. That's the thing. We are all in this process that Jesus has begun. He came to establish some things. He came to get the ball rolling. He came to get the kingdom coming. And he came to get the will be doneing. You could use that. That's a pretty cool rhyme. I made that up. It took me hours. We're all in this process. And that's the problem. That's the tension. That's the darkness. That's the hopelessness that we experience. Yes, he opened the way for us to enter into the Holy of Holies and come to the throne of grace where we can find forgiveness. But it's not done yet. It's not completed. Jesus came, was born, he lived, he died, he rose again, and he returned to the Father, sending us the Holy Spirit, which is the manifestation of the spiritual power of god that can live in each one of us and this holy spirit empowers us and teaches us and speaks to us and encourages us and 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 just and enables us to live and to thrive and to have life even though the world is broken and we live and walk in darkness still but we have seen that great light that light is Spirit of God that allows us to 
be light bearers to the rest of the world. You see, we know God's promises haven't been fulfilled yet, completely fulfilled. The world is still a broken place. Just look around. Sin takes its toll on individuals, even Christians. Imagine that. Sin takes its toll on families, in our society, in our culture. And you know the blessing that I read in Deuteronomy? Sometimes, sometimes I just don't see it. And at best, I can see flashes of it, glimmers of it every once in a while. It's hard to see. It's hard to see. We still live in a broken place. But God promised to fulfill his promise of goodness and restoration, peace, grace, mercy, restoring all things. And I choose to believe it. I choose to stand on the firm foundation of the promises of God. Because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And he will bring total and complete righteousness. And he will bring perfect and divine justice. When he comes back, heaven crashes into earth. And God lives with his people. And so we celebrate the historical event of the birth of Christ, the birth of Messiah, when God decided to step in, set up shop in our world, to teach us, to love us, to reconcile us, to get the ball rolling, to, to just kind of show us, show us the way. But we also celebrate during this time of year the hope of the future that is yet to come, the hope of the future that God has promised when he returns and he finally finishes what he began. And the hope isn't like a, oh man, I really hope this happens. It's, a, it's an assurance. It's a, it's a waiting with expectation. It's a knowing that he's coming. Look at the words that we read this morning. If you haven't, Cameron, Luke. Can you go to the next slide? We're just going to hang on this slide. Yeah. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish, perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Man, that sounds scary, don't it? People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. As I read, especially the beginning of this text, I, I believe that we have been in these end times forever, or not forever, since Jesus returned to the Father. I mean, these things are coming. Like I said a couple weeks ago or last week, this is what I'm, this is what I am, I am sure of. Every day that passes is a day closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. Every single day. But look, even, even creation 
is affected by, by the brokenness in the world. And when the Son of Man comes, things are going to get crazy and people are going to faint from terror. I mean, Jesus, he's not coming under the radar the next time. He's not going to be born into a little obscure town and a little obscure family, kind of in a manger uh, with shepherds. That's not the way this is going down. He's coming large, and he's coming making some noise, and all of the world will see it. And And those who have doubted, those who have chosen to, to not follow and, and, and walk outside of what God has established, they're going to be they're going to be a little concerned, fainting with terror at what is coming on the world. This is what we hope for. This is what we wait for, follower of Christ. But that's not what I wanted to land on this morning. James, next one. This is the words of Jesus. He says, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. It's going to be a surprise. You're not going to be able to predict. You could try. It's coming. And it's, when it happens, it's going to be swift. But the words of Jesus tell us, be careful. Be careful. Or the brokenness in this life will bury you. Be careful. Maybe we could say it this way. Remain hopeful. Or the things in this life are going to distract you and they're going to weigh you down. They're going, to, they're going to cause you to lose focus and they're going to pull you away and you will wander away. The, when we feel hopelessness, when it fills our heart, we try anything that we can do to try to numb and take away that pain. No one likes to feel hopeless and we try to do everything that we can to numb that pain, to take it away. The anxieties, the anxieties of life, if we walk without any hope, the anxieties in our life will cause us to feel like that woman buried in a casket, in darkness, squirming to get out, knowing you'll never get out. Jesus says, be careful. Be careful. We lose hope. You can get caught up in the world's priorities. And the world's priorities will help you numb your pain. And in the numbing of your pain, it will slowly and quietly destroy you. Because hopelessness has many faces. Promiscuity, anger, hatred, indifference, arrogance, addiction, These are all the manifestation of a life that's lived in hopelessness without the promises of Christ resonating in their soul. Growing up, my my parents used to take, I remember my brother and I, we'd go, um, we we went to Catholic school all our life. 
I was an altar boy. I was a good altar boy. I looked good in that red and white thing. Um, but they were, they were they, I can think back, and, and they, were, they were searching because we went to a few different kinds of churches. Uh, I would guess they would be charismatic churches. I remember going to see people dancing around, and my brother and I in the back were going, <laughs> who's this? And uh, I remember being in a couple Bible studies with people and it being really awkward. Um, and so I, I just have this sense that my parents were, were looking for something. And as I got older, as I became in my 20s and in my 30s, I, I realized even back then, uh, my dad fought a lifetime of alcoholism. And, and, and it, didn't, it took me a lot of years to, to realize and recognize it. And, and, and I saw it after I got older, what addiction looked like. And, and I'll tell you, he, 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 was, he, was a, he was a good man. He was a very good man. Loved, loved my brother and I. Loved his grandkids dearly and deeply. He was very generous and very giving. But addiction... Alcoholism, man, that's that's a um, that's a terrible demon. Terrible demon, that's hard to escape from. And I remember, I I would talk to him about Christ. I mean, his son was a pastor, and I would say, Dad, come on, remember, remember, he used to take us to those places. And I don't know, and I would tell him that I know. I am confident that Jesus can put you back together again. I, you've tried everything else. Every program, meetings, all of those things, you've tried them and they haven't worked. I know that Christ will put you back together again if you would just surrender. I couldn't do it. And, and, and I don't really know why. It's one of those things that, I don't know. God could have done it, and I don't know why God didn't, at least not where I could see. The last few years of his life were the hardest because his alcoholism, it was, it was really, really bad. And he was asked to retire from a job that he loved, that he was good at, he couldn't, he couldn't function in it anymore. And he had a, a friend, a very, very close friend. And she died. And she died of alcoholism. It literally shut down her body. And her father felt responsible for her death. He never, ever got over that. And in that time, he lost his house. The bank came and took it. He got some trouble with the IRS. And there was this darkness that I watched come upon him. And I, I, I sat and I looked and I've never felt so hopeless and helpless about someone that I loved. And I watched him try to numb that pain and the thing is, it does numb it, but it can, cannot ever heal it. 
and the day came where he lost, he lost the fight. And I found him in his apartment. He had died. I have seen, I saw in him just lifeless eyes, a broken heart. I have seen firsthand what hopelessness can do to a person. And, and, and this, this, is, this goes beyond just, man, I just don't think things are going to get better. This is the hopelessness that sucks the life out of someone, and they just give up. They just give up. And there was no more life. And all there was left was dirt. And the man that I grew up with became just hollow. seen what hopelessness can do. It kills spiritually. It kills emotionally. It kills physically. And that's not something I've read. It's something that I've lived. And I don't share that with you this morning to get your sympathy. I actually share that with you this morning to encourage you that we have an amazing, amazing God who has promised us, his people, amazing things if we would just surrender to him and to follow Christ. We don't have to live in that hopelessness. He has promised us abundance in this life. And it doesn't always look like all the bells and whistles that we hope for. But it's abundant life. That's what Jesus promises. If we would trust, if we would believe, if we would surrender. And one day, one day he will come and he will wipe every tear from every eye. And there will be no more pain and there will be no more suffering and there will be no more death. That's his promise to his people. That's what we hope in. And so, we, the church, celebrate the hope of God's future. I want to encourage you, wherever you are, don't 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 lose your hope. Don't wander away. Don't get caught up in what the world wants to try to, to throw at you to say, oh no, this, this, this will help you. This will bring you along. This will make you feel better. Don't get caught up in that. Because we have an amazing, amazing God. And so we celebrate we celebrate the kingdom that is at hand and we celebrate during this time of year and remember during this time of year the kingdom that is to come. When God brings it all together and goes, it's finished. But you see, that hope that we carry, it's not just ours to hold on to. We are called as, as people of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, as the church we are called 
to give that hope away. Not just during Christmas, but all of the time. We are called to give that hope away to those people who feel buried in this life. For those who, are, who have been caught up in something and they've lost their way. For those that, that feel that there's nothing good that's ever going to come from the situation I'm in now. We're called to give that hope away of Jesus Christ. Too many people live trying to just squeeze out whatever little pleasure they can for today. In, in reality, it's a sense of hopelessness that they have because they can't see the big picture. They think they live with no purpose. They think they were just a mistake, an accident. They're not good enough. They live buried in the trap that this world throws at them. And I'm telling you, you don't have to live that way, and you can share the hope of Jesus Christ with those people. And so as we celebrate communion this morning, we celebrate that hope. We celebrate that Jesus came, he lived, and he died. He went, and he's coming back. And so there's, there's a, an expectation in our hearts that this ain't it. This is not the end. But that Jesus wins. Jesus wins. And if we live our lives in that surrender, people are going to notice. We can share the hope that is in us to the rest of the world. Seen what hope can do. I believe. Also, seen what Jesus can do. And so you can come, and whatever the Lord has put on your heart this morning that you need to work through and deal with, then, then do so. And, and come take the bread and, and take the cup then we will celebrate this table together.